Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Well, good morning. Or or is it afternoon for you guys? I don't know. So, uh, well, I know uh, I can tell by the look on your face, or at least when Pastor Josh said that uh, that I was going to be speaking today, you guys started thinking, man, I could have gone to the beach. Ah, I didn't have to be here for this. No. Listen, I, um, uh, I'm excited about uh, this message today. Uh, Pastor Josh promised me that second service was way more exciting than first service, so you guys are going to have a lot to live up to. Um, I, I know some of y'all, so that's probably true. Um, but anyways, uh, I know it's always weird when the pastor's not here, so just do me a favor. I just want you to um, visualize in your mind that he lost some weight, grew some hair, and got much better looking, and then maybe you'll be able to take something away from today's message. Now, so we've been working through this summer. Our summer series is on the books of Paul or the books written by Paul. Um, And so if you don't know that, maybe you haven't been paying attention, but we've been going through um, all of the letters that Paul wrote. And today we're gonna be in the book of Philippians. A couple of months ago, uh, Pastor Josh and myself and, and Troy and Pastor TC sat down and we talked about this summer series and, and the idea or the concept of kind of reading through or going through the letters of Paul. And so during that meeting, they assigned me uh, the book of Philippians and I thought, great, that'll be super easy. I got a shirt that I got that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, y'all know that one? It's a Hobby Lobby verse right? Philippians 4.13. It's one of those ones where, you know, fat guys like me squeeze into that shirt and they go to the gym and try to work out and think that it's going to make some kind of a difference. So I thought that one will be really easy. That's what I'll talk about. And uh, I got that shirt. I bought it back when I was a little bit skinnier. So I pulled it out and went to go put it on and figured out that I cannot do all things that, uh, through Christ who strengthens me because I couldn't put that shirt on. And if I had got it on, nobody would have wanted to watch that. And so instead what we did or what I did is I, I, I kind of just poured through the book of Philippians over the last few months, just trying to see maybe what it was that God would want uh, me to talk about today and try to let him make the decision instead of me making the decision. And so um, really uh, what, what happened is um, I started thinking about, you know, just the overall topic of the book of Philippians. And it's, uh, for those of you who don't know, this is a, a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And, the, and, the, and this book is uh, all about joy in, 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 in life and the joy that, that Paul is sharing with that church in Philippi. And so I, I got to thinking about it. And as I read through it, the, the topic that kept coming up in there was about anxiety. Does anybody in here struggle with anxiety at all? Yeah, I think we all do. I know I do. As soon as I picked this topic, it got worse and worse and worse, right? So, you know, Pastor Josh mentioned earlier that I get the pleasure of, of kind of leading our city as a city manager. And so if you didn't, uh, if you don't want to know what stupid stress is, or that's what, come hang out with me for a day, because everybody's an expert. Everybody thinks they know what they're doing and nobody does, including me. No, I'm kidding. Do what? Especially me? Yeah, especially me. Oh, that's awesome. No, um, so, so anyways, uh, so we, we started with the book of Philippians, or I started looking through the book of Philippians, and, and, and like I said, I really feel like God placed on my heart this topic of anxiety. And so today, we're going to spend our time talking about that. But before we do that, I want to tell you a little bit about the book overall. Um, the book, as I said, is written to the church in Philippi. So <clears throat> how did this church get started? 
A few years before this letter was written, before Paul wrote this letter back to them, Paul had a, had a vision to go on a missionary journey. And on this, uh, his plan on this journey was to, to go into Asia. And in the middle of the night, he has a dream. And in this dream, he sees this man from Macedonia. And, and, and the scripture refers to him as the man from Macedonia. And, and what uh, God places on his heart that he is to go and meet this person. And so uh, Paul uh, loads up his buddy Silas and they head off on a missionary journey and on their way, they end up in this town called Philippi. And when they get there, uh, typically when Paul gets there, uh, gets to a town, the first thing that he does is he finds the synagogue and then he goes and wrecks havoc. So he would go to the church and then he goes and disrupts the church. He does that at every place uh, that he goes to. He goes and begins to preach the word inside the synagogues. Well, in the, church, in the town of Philippi, uh, there were no synagogues. There were not enough uh, of the Jewish faith in that community. You had to have 10 men to create a church. And so uh, there weren't enough there to create a church. Um, how many of you know if you got 10, 10 men that, that are sold out, you might be able to get something done, right? But instead we usually leave it all to the women. But anyway, um, <laughs> what happened? I don't know how, that's a sidebar. I didn't even do that one in the first service. Uh, so anyway, um, so Paul gets to town and, and this is why, this is why I said that. And then Paul gets to town and he goes and starts asking around, where can I go find some like-minded people? And so he gets sent down by the river. And so he goes down to the river and there he meets a couple of women and they're down there and they're, and they're talking about their faith and, 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 uh, and Paul leads them to Christ. And so shortly after that, he and Silas uh, get arrested and they get beaten and they get thrown in jail. And so that night they're in jail and the music begins to, or I mean, they begin to sing um, while they're in jail. The scripture tells us that at midnight, um, Paul and Silas begin to sing um, and worship God. And, and what, what the passage tells us is that as they begin to sing, the earth began to shake. And when the earth shaked, that the jail came apart and the doors came off and Paul and Silas continued to stay in there and sing. And so the jailer comes running back uh, to the jail to basically end his life because he knows that if he loses any prisoners, that's his responsibility. And so he knows he'll be killed. And so he comes back to the jail and he begins or he prepares to end his life. And when he does that, um, then Paul uh, yells out to him and he says, hey, 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 don't do that. We're still here. We're still here. And so um, they, th the jailer then comes into the jail cell and Paul and Silas lead him to the Lord. And then they lead his whole family to the Lord. And then they begin a church and that church is the church in Philippi. And this, so a couple of years later, Paul is once again in jail. Uh, I was telling him in first service, what Paul's thing was every time he would go to a town, the first place he went was to the jail so he could figure out what room he was gonna sleep in that night because everywhere he went, they threw him in jail. And so he, would, he, he um, again, uh, he's in jail and this time he's in a Roman prison and he's attached to a Roman guard and he's writing a letter back to the people in Philippi. And we, we refer to that as the letter of Philippians. And so today we're gonna to spend some time in that, in that letter because what's so amazing about that is that a, a letter to a church that was started as a result of him being beaten and thrown in prison, that was sent from him having been beaten uh, or, or having been put in prison and chained to a Roman guard, that the, that the undercurrent of this entire letter is about joy. How many of us want some joy in our lives? How many of us would rather trade the stress, the anxiety, the things that are burning in our hearts right now or burning on, uh, leaning on us right now? How many of you would rather trade that for some joy? Yeah, what about happiness? Do we wanna trade it for happiness? 
So happiness, here's the difference, right? Happiness is what is, is how we feel about the circumstances around us. Sometimes we pursue happiness and we go after things that will, that will make us happy for a short period of time. But what I'm gonna show you in the book of Philippians is how you can pursue something that will give you joy. You see, happiness is affected by what's outside of you. Joy is developed by what's, or is produced from what is inside of you. And so what I'm gonna hopefully be able to show you and just, you know, over the course of the next uh, six or seven hours um, is, <laughs> you guys are still going, man, I should've went to the beach, this dude. Uh, Oh, and I do want to let you know, Pastor Josh, you know, acted like we actually called somebody about the heat. That's not true. I asked him to turn it on so that you would feel the flames of hell on your feet at the end of this thing. I wanted to make it an old school revival. I would try to get some sawdust in here, see if we can get some people saved. Uh, see if we can just light them on fire. No, it is definitely hot. It, however hot it is there, it's hotter up here, I promise. But anyway... Um, now I've lost my train of thought. Where was? No, I'm just kidding. So, so anyway, so we're going to talk about Paul. And we're going to talk about the difference between joy, pursuing joy and pursuing happiness. And hopefully as we work our way through the scriptures today, we're going to be able to give you some practical applications, some things that you can do. Um, I did, you know, I did some looking into it this weekend and one of the things or, or over the last couple of weeks and one of the statistics that was absolutely amazing to me was that 47% of Americans, 47% of Americans say that they struggle with anxiety, 47%. And then when I uh, said, well, how does that affect Christians? Do Christians feel any differently? I looked up a different statistic and it said that 57% of Christians deal with either anxiety, depression, or uh, um, anxiety, anxiety or depression, 57%. And so I said, well, I wonder, you know, if you combine uh, depression and anxiety and you look at those that are not in the church, how do, how do we compare? How do we as Christians compare to those um, outside of the church? And what it's in the, in the very, very unfortunate thing is that it was only about 3% different. So what does that tell us? That tells us that anxiety is something that all of us are fighting. But what I'm here to tell you is this. The creator of the universe that molded you and, and created you for a very specific purpose does not intend for you to live in anxiety. And so the, the title of today's message is actually, um, the title for today's mass message is the battle, uh, the battle for peace over anxiety. The battle for peace over anxiety. And the reason that, we, that I decided I landed on the title, uh, The Battle for Peace, is because I truly believe, after, after not only reading this stuff, but also doing some of the research, that this is not um, a passive deal. This is a battle. I'm gonna, I tell people, we do a Tuesday morning Bible study at the Hub every single Tuesday morning. We're going through the book of Revelations. Holy cow, it's going on forever. But we're going, we do that every Tuesday morning. And what I tell them, huh, Ian? What I tell them is that God wants you in, I mean, I'm sorry, the devil wants you in one of two places. One of two places. He either wants to keep you out of heaven, but if you've made the decision and you're going to heaven, then what else does he want to do, Ian? He wants to make you ineffective. He wants to put you on the sidelines. And so I believe that this battle against anxiety, this plague that we have that has overtaken our country and overtaken all of us is, is really what the Bible tells us it is. The Bible tells us that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities of the air. Christians do typically do one of two things. They either give the devil not enough credit or they give the devil way too much credit. But here's what, what I'm here to tell you is this. The devil is real. 
The Bible tells us that he is. And the fight is real. And the, and the Bible tells us that he is constantly working for ways to distract you, to take you away from what God has planned for you. But I will tell you this too. He is not all powerful. So we're going to understand that he's there, but we're not going to give him too much credit. Okay? Because what I will tell you is this, the creator of the universe, the prince of peace, can create in you a sense of peace that then allows us to say, don't be anxious for anything, which is what we're going to talk about today. Okay? All right, so let's get started. Um, first, well, actually, let me give you a little bit of a background. On, again, on the book of uh, Philippians. Uh, chapter one in the book of Philippians is where it opens up and he talks about gratitude in bad circumstances. One of the things you're gonna figure out from Paul is that Paul, who also wrote Romans 8, 28, uh, which is one, another one of our Hobby Lobby verses. Uh, we get it tattooed over here. Um, it's one of those verses, but we usually cut it off. We usually say all things work together for those who love the Lord. Is that the whole scripture? It's not. What it says is all things work together for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, his purpose. And so if we believe and we do believe and we understand that God, uh, Pastor Josh does this beautiful description of how we are created. In Psalms, it tells us that, that we were wo uh, woven together while we were in our mother's womb, right? And what that means is that God created you and me for a purpose. Yes, David, there's some woven going on in there. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> got off subject. Anyway, so God great, uh, wove into each of us all of the things that were necessary for us to accomplish the things that he would have us to accomplish. Do you believe or do we, could we possibly believe that God created us, gave us a desire for, to accomplish something, gave us a purpose and then did not equip us to do it? Does that make any sense? Does it make any sense that God would create us, give us a purpose and then not let us find joy within it? That makes no sense right? And, and the Bible tells us that God is a God of order. The Bible tells us that God loves us. And so what we know is that God created us when we were in our mother's wombs. He wove, he wove into us all of the pieces and parts that were necessary for us to accomplish that will. So when Paul is in prison and he chooses to have a worship service and sing, it's because he understands that this deal is going to work out for his purpose, right? When, Paul, when those doors closed on Paul and they began to sing and the jail began to shake, God didn't take him or God took the walls down, but Paul didn't leave the prison. What happened is God brought the person that he was supposed to meet to the place where he was at. Hear what I'm telling you. Sometimes we think we allow ourselves to get anxious or we think we're not being answered or we think that God has abandoned us because we are. We find ourselves in a situation that's just completely overwhelming. And we just don't think, well, if God loved me, he would never allow these things to happen to me. But what we find over time is that because God has a, a perfect, a, a perfect, perfect purpose for us that if we continue to trust in him, and I'm going to show you a couple of points, if we continue to trust in him, then as we work our way through that, we are going to see and realize our purpose inside of that. Does that make sense? All right. So chapter one is about gratitude and bad circumstances. And so that first chapter, Paul is, is in jail. He's reporting back to them that he's in jail, but he's grateful for the things that he's been through because he's grateful for what he was able to accomplish as a result of it. In chapter two, we see Paul, or Paul teaches us about the uh, humility 
as a pattern for Christian life. And so humility is what he says in, in chapter two, and he spends quite a bit of time talking about it, is that as Christians, we should live a life that is humble, that is worthy of our calling so that when people look to us, they want to see, want to be like us. They want to see what we have and not have to listen to us talk about ourselves and that kind of stuff, which is why we're not talking about that because I'm not real good at humility. It's a joke. Now, so um, chapter three is about pressing on and staying the course. One of the patterns that you'll see with Paul as you read the writings uh, that he did, you'll find that he does a lot of sports types analogies. And in this pat in chapter three, what we find is that he, he talks about the importance of staying the course and understanding that all things do work together for those who are, are called according to the Lord's purpose. And so stick, you know, put your head down, stick it out, get to the end and follow through. And that's what chapter three is about. But today we're going to talk about, like I said, chapter four. And so chapter four is about, if I was going to put just kind of a header on chapter four as, as a whole, it would be about contentment and chaos. So many times we want uh, all of the situations and the circumstances around us to be changed so that then we can be happy or that then we can be content. But what Paul challenges us with, and specifically in chapter four, is to find contentment inside of that purpose. And so sometimes that means that things don't go right, but how we find, but, but finding contentment in throughout the, throughout the process, throughout the purpose. So like I said earlier, about four in 10, four out of 10 Americans uh, struggle with anxiety. Last night, uh, after I got done with this, I was working, I was sitting at my desk and I was working on this um, right up to the last minute because I'm such a good planner. So I was working on it last night. Boom, boom, boom. No anxiety involved. That's a lie. I was stressed out. Not quite done. Um, sitting in my mind of my own business, had my headphones in and Leah slips up on me like a ninja and scared the ever loving poo out of me. Um, I may or may not have said some bad words that I'm not supposed to say, uh, but scared the fire out of me while I was working on that. And so we talked for a little while. We did, you know, she asked me what I was doing. I could tell by the look on her face, she was nervous. Oh, this isn't gonna be any good. No, I'm kidding. So we went through all of that and then I went to bed. And so I said, all right, I'm done, done for the night. I'm gonna go check it out. So I lay down uh, and start, you know, turn the TV or the TV's already on. My wife, I love her. She loves to watch these 2020 shows, right? So um, I can't tell whether she's planning my murder <laughs> or making sure she doesn't get caught in my murder or what. But she's, uh, she's got 2020 on, so I sit down to watch that. And while I'm watching the 2020 episode, um, I, they, the, this thing comes across the screen about Russia and, and the, that Russia is fighting itself. There's a civil war in Russia. And so um, instead of just one thing, you know, you know, like the stress of this 2020 show stressing me out, um, the, the TV has figured out how to double down on our stress. And so it's split it into two screens so I could watch the murder and the Russians. <laughs> I was like, this is ridiculous. So I went and found some joy by Googling what's actually going on in Russia. So then I had three versions of stress coming at me all at once. And so we are surrounded by anxiety. The things that we do, the things that we choose to do. Why did I call it the battlefield? Or why do I call it a battlefield? Why do I call it a battle uh, for peace over anxiety? Is because today I want to talk about what Paul recommends that we do in order to be sure that we can control the, 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 the minefield of our mind, the battlefield of our mind. We have the ability to do that. 
We choose sometimes to let things come in that shouldn't come in, but we're going to talk about it. So we're going to begin in verse uh, Philippians chapter four. We're going to start in verse six. We're going to go through verse nine. Um, it won't take, uh, we'll, we'll get through it maybe quickly. All right. So beginning in verse six, it says this, Paul says, be anxious for nothing, right? You can see it up here. Thanks a lot, Paul. That's good, good instruction. How many of you, uh, how many of us in here are married? Got a spouse, right? A significant other, something like that. How many of you, um, when your wife or your husband starts stressing out about something, you look at them and you go, don't worry about that. And it makes it all better. <laughs> Isn't that the key? I thought that was the solution. Yeah, no, 30 years says no. I've been, we've been together for a long time. When Kim comes in the room and she's, she loves the Weather Channel, she loves the stress about the weather, so she watches the Weather Channel and she'll come and tell me, oh, there's this storm and that storm cell and this storm cell and that storm cell. And I'm like, oh yeah, it'll be okay, baby. Everything just goes away. So no, it makes it worse because then she's mad because I'm not stressed, right? So if all Paul told us was be anxious for nothing, we would be hung out there like it was nothing. But here's what I think this, if, if I was, you know, after reading it and looking at it through the Greek and all the things that you do before in preparation, if I was going to write this, if I was going to write the meaning of what you see there, what he's saying is you can be anxious for nothing. So Paul is saying, look, don't worry about it. And let me tell you how you don't worry about it. So it goes on to say, but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be known uh, to God. And then he goes on to say, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So let's break this up. So first he says, be anxious for nothing. But then he goes on and he tells us how we're going to be anxious for nothing, right? So he says, uh, that next piece is he goes on and says, but in, uh, but in, every, in everything, by prayer and supplication. Prayer is just a conversation with God, Right? The supplication portion is where you're asking him for the things that you need. And so what Paul is telling us here is that we can, we can live a life that, that uh, doesn't have anxiety as long as we understand that we are tapped into the source that can take that anxiety away. You understand? We, we, we want to listen to Fox News instead of listening to the creator of the universe right? We want to listen to the organizations that create chaos instead of the Prince of Peace, right? And so what, what Paul is saying here is that you can live a life without anxiety, but to do that, these are the, this is the key. The first thing you do is you start an open line of communication with the Father. So you begin in prayer and you talk to the Father. And then he says uh, in supplication. So sometimes what typically happens, especially me, right? Uh, uh, what I usually do is I come up against a situation that creates anxiety for me, um, something that, some problem that needs to be solved. And then I will begin to solve that problem all on my own. What Paul is telling us is that, so then I've put all of the pressure of the circumstances, remember uh, those circumstances, those outside things that affect us, I put all that pressure on me instead of on the one who can actually solve it, right? It's kind of like, like when we get a piece of furniture in and we start putting it together and we don't consult the instructions. Does anybody else do that? I don't do that. David, you probably read all the instructions, don't you? No. No, but that's what we do. And then we get mad at it. And all of a sudden it's a piece of crap. I don't know. Can I say crap? <laughs> hey, I got some good advice before I came up here. Pastor Josh said, don't blow it. And then, 
And then my wife said, don't cuss and check your gig line. <laughs> so that was, that, was the, uh, that was the sum total of my advice for today. Um, so anyways, uh, <laughs> I have no idea where I'm at. Um, <laughs> so, oh yeah, we don't, we don't consult the instructions. So what we do is we, we, you know, we automatically begin to try to solve the problem. And here's the deal. Anxiety is about us taking on a problem that there's no way we could begin to solve, that we could solve from the beginning right? We are anxious because we don't have the answer or we think we don't have the answer. But the reality is we're anxious because we're not tapping into the answer. And so what Paul is saying is, look, you can be anxious for nothing. All you need to do is pray, bring your, bring your request to the Lord, right? Bring your questions to him. And then, um, so, so in prayer, conversation, supplication, which is to bring that request. And then what's that next thing it says? With thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. Here's the trick. This is the piece that I think we often forget. We forget about the times that we are delivered or that we do make it through the things that are challenging. And instead of focusing on the fact that God has brought us through, what we do is why am I here now, right? And so we forget about it. I explained it this way in in first service. If you ever are in in a fight with your spouse and you look at her and you go, hey, I'm so grateful for you unless you're sarcastic like I am, and you might get smacked. But if, but if she believes you, then what happens is you begin to, and then, and then not only do you say that, but then you begin to remind yourself of those things that you are grateful for, right? So, so, so Kim, my wife, if my shoes aren't in the right spot, it's a bad day. Could be a bad day. If it's gonna be a bad day today, probably, after this. But anyway, Maybe it's important. Uh, anyway, so if, if my shoes aren't in the right place, right, it may upset the apple cart. It may upset the day. So I can choose to get mad about that, right? I can choose to be angry about it. But if I begin to remind myself of why I love her so much, why I am so grateful for her, then what happens is those shoes become not important because I, re- I remember how she walked with me when my dad died and how she walked beside me through my mother's Alzheimer's and how she loved on my mom when it was difficult and how she cared for me and how when I didn't, when things didn't go right in business and I lost my business, how she was the one saying, as long as, this, as, long as we're together, we're gonna be all right. But I can choose, that's the message, right? So, so, but what we like to do sometimes, we like to do the same thing with God, right? God loves us, so why is he allowing these things to happen to me? And so then we begin to think, well, you know, if he loved me, he wouldn't do this. If he loved me, he wouldn't allow me to be in this circumstance. But the reality of it is that if I will remember the things that he's done for me and be thankful for the things that he's done for me, then I can begin to stop focusing on my own comforts and begin focusing on his purpose for my life and maybe seeing his purpose in my life. Does that make sense? I'll give you guys something free that's not in the notes too. God is way more concerned about how you spend eternity than he is whether whether or not you're happy here every day. Okay? That is a fact. And so what happens is he will trade your happiness here every day for your eternity with him, right? We like to try to say, um, and, and so, so, I, so I'm gonna give you a cheat code. You ready for a cheat code, Rob? Here's your cheat code. Get it right. Get the lesson when he's giving it to you. If we know that God wants us to learn, you know, if we know that it's more important that we move his, uh, his will for our lives forward, if we know it's more important that we spend our, li- our eternity in heaven, and that's why sometimes we're in the situation we're in, the faster we learn it, the faster we get out. Because he wants joy for us, right? Right? So 
I don't know, sidebar, somebody needed that one. So Thanksgiving, so the more we remind ourselves, in the Old Testament, it says hundreds of times, I couldn't remember, I tried to look it up this morning, I wanna say it's like 450 times in the Old Testament, the, the nation of Israel is reminded to write things down. It, he, it says, write it down, make a note, make, or, or they had to um, build an altar. You know, when Jacob gets away from his crazy father-in-law and they get done with that deal, he builds an altar. Throughout the Old Testament, when, when they crossed the Red Sea, they built this altar. Um, when they go here, they, it, it, over and over and over again in the scripture, we see this. What's happening there is God is saying, put a memory marker in your mind so you can remember that I delivered you today. And if I did it today, I will do it tomorrow. Right? So sometimes the anxiety that we feel is because we think the God that of yesterday is not going to do the same thing he did today. I mean, it's not going to do the same thing today that he did already for us yesterday. Uh, my good buddy, Dane, uh, who, who was in first service, says it like this. He says, faith is believing that God is going to do in front of you the thing he's already done behind you. Amen. It's that simple. Uh, our God is a God of pattern. If you read the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament is a series of patterns. If he was faithful and delivered, he'll be faithful and deliver. And if we don't learn lessons, then we go back through it and he'll be faithful and deliver and he'll be faithful and deliver. So remember that stuff, give thanksgiving. When we sit down, we ask, we, we ask but we also um, are thankful for it. What's great is that the result of that is this. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in, uh, through Christ Jesus. That word guard, when you look up the, the, the actual Greek of that, of that word, what, he, what it says is that it is to go before in preparation for protection. How powerful is that? They should just put that instead of guard, right? But what it says is, if you put your, if you do these things, if you go to God with prayer, you, you, know, you build a relationship of prayer, you ask the things that you need to ask and you remember how faithful he is and you be thankful for the things that he's done for you. The result of that is he will go before you and he will protect your mind from the things that the devil would like to fill your mind. If you remember when we back up to the beginning of this, the Bible tells us that, that our fight is not a flesh and blood fight right? My physical fight in Crestview is not against Crestview word of mouth. <laughs> Sometimes it is. <laughs> no, but that's not my physical fight. My physical fight is, a, 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 you know, I have to remind myself of this, but I'll be honest with you. My physical fight is about the fact that the devil does not want people who trust God, who love God, who are willing to spread his word in positions of authority. Yeah. They don't want that. That's where the fight is. They don't want, I'm, I'm talking about the devil don't want. I'm not talking about the word of mouth people because there might be some here. Some of y'all might've said it. you see my wife after, she'll tune you up. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is horrible. You're gonna have to delete this one, Dusty. Um, <laughs> but anyways, the, the fight is not flesh and blood. What is in your face is never the whole story right? The thing that you think is leaning on you, the bill collector or the job that's not right or the, 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 you know, the teacher at school, whatever it is, those things are a byproduct of a bigger picture, right? And so we have to remember that it's not ours. We didn't create it. It's not ours to solve, right? And we don't have to because the creator of the universe will solve it for us. So, and this promise is that not only will he do that, but if I spend my time in prayer, talking to the father about the things that I need. So I'm, I'm building relationship. I'm talking to him about the things I need and I'm thanking him for the things that he's done. That means that he's gonna go before me. He's gonna get ahead of me over here and he's gonna protect the hedges. He's gonna protect my mind. All of this with anxiety is a battle of the mind. 
right? It is a battle of the mind. It is what God has created you for, who he has created you to be in his own image to accomplish the things he's called you to accomplish versus the devil wants to sideline you. It's that simple. If you understand where the fight is, then you know how to fight the fight, all right? But if we wanna make sure that we know how to fight the fight, Paul gave us uh, some examples. So we're moving on to verse six. It says, or I'm sorry, (laughs) we already did verse six. We're gonna move on to verse eight. Um, It says, finally, brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, focus on these things. And so Paul gives this idea or this concept that we have the ability to control what we spend our time on, okay? We act like we don't, but we do. And I'm gonna talk to you a little bit about that. I wanna spend just a few minutes on the eight things that Paul gave us to focus on. And and I wanna see, let's compare them to what we're doing with them right now in our lives. So the first thing it says is focus on, or it doesn't say focus on, I said focus on. It's whatever things are true. Whatever things are true. Paul is telling us to focus on the things that are true. Let me tell you something. I told you this already. God created you in the womb for a specific purpose. Let me tell you something else. You're made in the image of God. The Bible tells us that as well. When God, when God made Adam, he made him in his own image. And so we are made in the image of God. That is what is true. What is not true is that 47% of Americans have to be in anxiety. That is not true. The Bible tells me that the Prince of Peace created me for a purpose, which means that if the Prince of Peace created me for a purpose, you would think that peace is a part of that purpose, right? And so the world will tell you, the news will tell you, Facebook will tell you all of this crazy stuff. But what God will tell you is all things are gonna work together for those who uh, love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Um, He's gonna throw a little Jeremiah 29, 11 at you like my mama used to always do. He's gonna say, I know the plans I have for you. They're for good and not for evil, right? We love that one. We love that one. Just want to make sure you know they were in captivity when that when Jeremiah prophesied that. And so what he was saying to the to the church of to the nation of Israel, I'm sorry, is that don't be focused on where you are today because I, God, know the plan that I have for you. And that plan is for good and not for evil. And you may feel like you're in a situation of evil right now. Your circumstances, we've seen in the last um, we've seen an inordinate amount of of we've experienced an inordinate amount of loss, undescribable loss for no cause, no reason uh, uh, in Crestview lately. And here's the reality of it. When those things are outside of us, we, we, and that's all that's around us, it gets so easy to get focused on those things. But God has created us for a purpose. That purpose is to love us. He loves us. The truth is, He loves you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants a relationship with you. The lie is you don't have time for him. You don't, you know, uh, you need to pay attention to the economy and you need to pay attention to Facebook and you need to do all of these things. So what Paul tells us is you have a choice to choose to focus on that which is true or you can do the alternative. But if you choose to focus on what is true, then the next thing that you're looking for is that which is noble. It says, whatever things are noble, focus on these things. Basically, uh, when you look this word up, it's basically meaning those things that are honorable. Those things that are, you know what? I heard, I heard a preacher uh, explain it this way. Uh, he said, things that are not petty, right? So what basically, I like that term, petty, right? So, so 
what he's saying here is that in all of the things that you, you we got 24 hours out of the day. We, hopefully we're sleeping, some of us, about three of them, some of us more than that. But, but so, you know, you got 20 hours, 20, 20, 18, 20 hours a day that you can be focusing on things. What he's saying is don't focus on the petty stuff. Don't waste your energy. Don't spend your time on things that aren't noble, things that aren't honorable, things that aren't moral. We go back to the truth thing. We spend more time in America right now arguing over things that should not be argued over. There are things that are simple. There is a truth. I'm here to, listen, this is the best part of this gig. I don't work here. So I don't have to come back. Pastor Josh will come back next week. He'll make you all feel happy about it. You'll be glad you came. We get to throw some joy at you. But I'm here to tell you right now that we are to focus on the things that are true, not to focus on the things that are not true. And those things that are true are also, um, also things that are noble, things that are honorable, things that aren't small and stupid and petty. And the next thing it says is this. It says, focus on whatever is just, whatever things are just. When I, when I read that, I said this to the, in, in the morning service, one of my um, uh, employees was here, uh, which is bad for me uh, because like they see me in the real world. <laughs> you, most of y'all are like, oh, this guy might sound like, a no, no. Um, this, every day is a miserable day. Um, the, the advice to check my gig line was a good one. Um, but but she, she was here this morning and, and uh, one of the phrases that, and I got another one here right now, they've heard me say it a hundred times. I just want to punch that person in the face, right? All right. Any of you are close to me, you ever heard me say that? Ian, you ever heard me say that? We should punch somebody in the face. Uh, I must be more holy around you, Ian. But here's what it says. Focus on what things are just. This is, this is what this means, okay? We, this is about a fight for um, the battlefield of our mind, right? So there is anxiety. This is a battle over anxiety. So typically means that there is an outside force pushing on your life in some way that is disrupting your life. You follow what I'm saying? And a lot of times that stuff is attached to somebody, maybe on the other side of the keyboard on Facebook, or maybe it's, maybe it's uh, mother-in-law, or maybe it's, um, maybe it's mom. Maybe it's you know, somebody else that, that has an outside force on you. What Paul is saying is that if we spend so much time focusing on those things that, that, that are being poured into our lives, the automatic human result is that we over-exaggerate the response, right? And so we, we want to trade our anxiety for injustice against them. And what he's saying is don't focus on that. Focus on what is just. Focus on what is pure. Focus on what is noble, what is honorable, um, the next one is whatever things are just. This means um, the, the, the use of this word is things that are holy. Focus on things that are holy. We let so much stuff in our minds that is, uh, that is not holy, right? I said it a minute ago. I don't have to be here next week. So I'm gonna tell you some things you might not wanna hear, right? They might include TV shows and music and stuff like that. Right? We, we open our minds up to all of these things that are put into our, that, that get put into our minds. And then we turn around and we're surprised that we're stressed out because we can't deal with the forces that are around us. So we can't deal with the fact that our kid doesn't do what they're supposed to do, or our boss doesn't do what he's supposed to do, or I can't make the bills right now. But all I have when I go to my mind to tap into the things that, that would give me the ability to, to, um, to weather the storm, I find in there, Music that doesn't have, uh, that, that tells me, that degrades women or, or, or elevates things that are um, unpure or that are um, unholy or unjust, right? 
We open our minds up. My, you know, what goes in comes out, right? Pastor Josh says all the time, what you behold, you become, right? Think of these things that are just, these things that are honorable. Does that mean I can't watch Yellowstone? I like Yellowstone. It's great. But what are we doing with it? We're elevating somebody. Listen, I'm not knocking Yellowstone. I watched it. It's all right. But, well, maybe not. It's bad for you. Don't watch it. What are you guys talking about? Anyway. (laughs) But think about it for just a minute. I'm going to use it as an example. We watch that stuff. And what's in that stuff is, I did it for research. That's why I know this. Um, (laughs) What's in there is is this elevation of unjust. Right? So we have elevated somebody in that series uh, as a nation. We emulated him. I got boots on. Right? Oh we, we've, elevated, <laughs> we've elevated him to a place of, of some sense of honor, and there's nothing honorable about it. So we've opened our minds. Hear what I'm saying to you. We've opened our minds up to reduce our expectations about what is right, what is just, what is valuable, what is worthy. We only have a certain amount of time and we give the time and we give the space inside of our minds over to things that are not pure, that are not just. I'm not telling you you have to do it. What I'm telling you is don't expect a result that doesn't end in anxiety if you're not willing to prepare the fields with things that are just and honorable right? We can't put crap in stuff, bad stuff in. (laughs) Leah's giving me the eye. Josh ain't in here no more, so whatever. Um, We can't put bad stuff in and expect good stuff out. It doesn't work that way. I was, I originally was going to do it like this. I I, I had this, I didn't have time for all this mess, but I was going to bring you guys like a pot and I was going to bring some ingredients and I was going to show you, we were going to make up, you know, it was going to be the kitchen of the mind. And I was going to put in a little bit of this ingredient and that ingredient and this ingredient and that ingredient. Nobody has time for all that. But the visualization is good because we, there's only so much capacity in your mind. What you choose to give space in there is going to absolutely dictate the outcome. It's going to dictate your joy. It's definitely going to dictate your happiness. And it's going to dictate your ability to handle the things that don't go the way that you want them to go. So focus on those things that are just. Whatever is pure. That's a tough one, huh? Right? We don't want to do that. Proverbs 4 tells us this. It says, guard, uh, Proverbs 4 tells us to guard the heart. And what he's saying is, oh, look, there it is. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. If you read, if you read Proverbs chapter 4, this is verse 23, but I challenge you to read the verse before it and the verse after it. And this is Solomon, and Solomon is talking to his kids. And I don't know, news, uh, spoiler alert, Solomon might have been the smartest man in the world, but he was an idiot too right? Because he did, he made a lot of bad decisions. He did absolutely, what made Solomon bad, what, what, what caused Solomon all of his problems, let me word it that way, what caused Solomon all of his problems is he failed to do what the scripture said. Scripture said, don't have multiple wives. As a king, he had multiple wives. Said, don't get multiple horses. He got horses. So everything he did was in the opposite of that. And what, um, what in this passage in Proverbs uh, 20, about 20 to 24, what Solomon is doing is he's talking to his kids and he's saying, whatever you do, son, guard your mind because when you open the door to your mind, your actions follow. You cannot put bad stuff in and expect good stuff out, right? You can't watch the bad stuff and expect to act the good stuff. You can't listen to the bad stuff and expect to act the good stuff. I can't, you know, you can't watch 2020 murders all the time and expect not to get murdered and buried in the lake somewhere. (laughs) 
I'm going to need a place to stay. All right. (laughs) Whatever is pure, whatever is pure, choose what is pure. You know, choose what is pure. Pay attention to what is pure. Be pure. Listen, listen to the things that add value, the things that are pure, not the things that are, uh, again, um, goes back to the things that we allow into our mind. The next one is focusing on whatever is lovely. For me, that's my wife. I'm trying to get back in the house. <laughs> See if I can do the whole roller coaster thing before I leave today. No, whatever's lovely. I, you know, I, I really wanted this to be practical, uh, a practical application, not overly spiritual. Um, it is a very spiritual topic, but also it's, uh, you know, it's practical, right? We fight anxiety every day. How do we not fight anxiety every day? And so I, I looked up and I wanted to understand what does it mean when it says lovely? Is it just, you know, my good looking wife? Or is it something more than that? And actually what the word means here is, it's, it, or what it implies, it's actually a combination of two different words. And what it actually is getting at is, it's focus on those people in your life that are those deep, dear friends that bring and add joy and value to your life. Focus on those that tell you you do a good job. Focus on those that encourage you in the things that you're doing. Focus on those that are, um, that are lovely. Those that are adding value to you and to your mind and to your courage, it's, it's the person in your life that says, you may not believe you can do this, but I know that you can do this. I know that if you decide to do this, you can take this town, Catherine. It's the people in your life that tell you, hey, I believe in you. I believe you can do whatever you put your mind to. That's what he means when he says, focus on those things that are lovely. So how do we apply that? So anxiety's come into our life. It's come from some sort of outside circumstance. It's trying to get me to focus on it. What I need to do is get back around those ones. The, 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 I can't spend 10 minutes with David Guillory and not feel better about my life. I can't. I love you, brother. Every time I see you, he's got that big smile. It don't matter. David fought cancer back, beat it back. Um, God beat it for him, but he beat it back, his whole family, and, and it didn't matter. David smiled every time I saw him. That's lovely. That's that scripture of what he's talking about. With, You're lovely, dude. Not to me later. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> but that's what it's a reference to. It's those people in your life that are in your life that when you see them, they change your demeanor. Focus on those things. Surround yourself with those things. And then it goes on to say, <clears throat> whatever things are of a good report, whatever things are of a good report. Why is it? Why is it that every t- you can do everything right? I can, I, you know, I can have a hundred people call me and say, oh, this is great. That's great. You're doing a good job. I love this. I love that. The only thing I focus on is the one stupid comment about why are we changing the parking on Main Street? Or, you know, why is it that you can do great and then uh, people will tell you you'll do great and then the one thing that you focus on is the one negative thing that you hear? Why is it? Because this is a battle for your mind. This is a battle for your mind. This is where, this is the thing. It, it is, what Paul is saying is, look, focus on the good reports. But let me tell you something. Sometimes life is not full of good reports. Am I right? Am I right? Sometimes life is not good, full of good reports. So let me give you one you can always hold on to. The Bible tells me that God formed you in your mother's womb for a purpose and that he loves you and that he wants peace for you. That's a good report, right? We want to read the news, or we don't want to, but we do. We read the news. We focus on the things that people tell us, but we don't go read what 
the creator of the universe has told us, which is that we are loved. We are appreciated. We are set for a purpose, that there is meaning to all of this. You see, if the devil can do anything, if he can't keep you out of heaven, he certainly wants to change the way you see this life. And if he can change the way you see this life, if Christians that are here today, if you're listening to me, if he can change the way I see my life and the things that I face, if I face those things opposite of the way I watched this man, David, face his things, if I, if I face them different than that, then what am I, what am I showing the rest of the world? We have the hope. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that it was the hope that was set before Christ that caused him the ability to endure the cross. And what that means is that he knew that at the end of that action with the cross that he would have, that hope set before him was you. It was all of you. He knew that if he did that job, the hope was that you would come to know him and then you coming to know him would change your life and it would change your destiny and it would change where you spend eternity. And so what I'm telling you is don't focus on the report from the people who don't have the authority. This is the other thing. Don't let people speak into your life that don't have value. Why do we let, why do, yeah. Why do we let people talk into our lives when they don't even, they're not even qualified to talk about me. They don't know me. If they did, they'd have better things to complain about. But they don't know me. I heard Pastor Josh say this morning, uh, which I thought was great in their little huddle circle up, you know, football rah-rah thing we do before, the, before church. Uh, <laughs> he said, don't allow people to put value on you who don't value you. Come on, come on. That's good. That'll preach by itself. And, and what he was getting at is that we allow people around us to set our value. You know, I could let people set my value all the time. They could change the direction of everything we're trying to accomplish. But guess what? Their mission's different than mine. Their mission's different, because newsflash, I'm not here just for the city. I want this thing to be, I want the city of Crestview to be changed for the kingdom. That's what matters. At the end of all this, we can have all the stores. Listen, we're gonna open Marshalls sometime. Chili's may or may not be open right now. But all I really care about, I care that souls get saved and lives get changed. That's what I care about. I care that people, I care that people have an opportunity to experience what God has for them. I care that we provide an environment where you can go from despair to the throne of God, right? I challenge you to change your anxiety. You know, we chase the opinions of other and, and, and what we catch is anxiety. We need to chase the creator of the universe and we'll catch the Prince of Peace. The last thing it tells us is this. It says anything that's praiseworthy, anything that's praiseworthy. Again, if you don't have, if, if in your life you're going, I, I swear I'm not gonna say season because Christians say season way too much. So I'm gonna say something else. If you're going through a phase of your life, you're going through a phase of your life or a season where you just cannot, you can't see the good things. You don't feel like there's something to be praised, praised about. Let me tell you this. The one who was worthy to set your value, set your value as high as he could. You see, God, God is the one that set your value and he exchanged his only son for you. I love my kids. I love y'all. 
but I don't love y'all enough to exchange my kids for y'all. Right? Which means I'm not worthy of setting your value. I'm not worthy of telling you what you're worth, but I know someone who is. We sang this song uh, earlier today, uh, The Goodness of God. It's my favorite song. And it's my favorite song because of this. Because if you keep reading on, if you read on to Philippians 4, 13, what it says is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me tell you what Philippians 12 said. Philippians 4, 12 said. It says this, it says, I've had a lot and I've had nothing. And it's because of this that I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can't make your anxiety go away. Gave you some tools that you can choose joy over anxiety, but I can't make you do them. But let me tell you this. I used to tell, I used to speak at Project Hope all the time and I tell the guys this over and over again. Project Hope is a, is a 12 month long in, in, uh, intern program where they go there and they're there for 12 months in order to get clean. And I used to tell them this all the time. I'd say, boys, you can stay here for 12 months. You can get off of the drugs and you can even maybe reconcile with your family. But if you don't find a relationship with Christ, then you're just gonna live the rest of this life better than you did the first half. What I want you to understand is if you truly, if you truly wanna experience joy, the kind of joy that can let you praise in the middle of a prison, because remember, God took the door, knocked the doors off, not to let Paul out, but to let the one in that could change the life. And because of that, we're listening to this letter today, so hopefully it's changing your life. That prison was a necessary part of that process. So what I'm telling you is, it's this simple. It's this simple. Let's exchange the anxiety for the Prince of Peace. Stand with me, please. So here's what I'm gonna ask you. Again, like I told those guys at Project Hope, you can do all, you know, you can, you can figure out ways, you know, 40 something percent of, of Americans are visiting a therapist to make them, to help them deal with their anxiety. Good, more power to you. But you can get all the tools you wanna get. You can listen to everything that I said today, um, except for the stuff about, you know, me getting in trouble or saying crap, nobody tell Josh. Um, but you can listen to what I told you today. You can even go home and apply all of that. And it may change the way you feel right now, right here, or in this life right now. But I'm telling you right now, unless you know that Jesus Christ died for your sins, and unless you accept that, the Bible tells us that um, the wages of sin is death. And so when you read that section, that scripture where it says the wages of sin is death, this is what that verse means. That death in there means separation from God for eternity. That's the definition of it. That's what it means. It's not a physical death. It's not a life death. It's a it's separation from God for eternity. So if you, the Bible tells us that that's the cost. Somebody's got to pay that. And so what happened is a, a, about 2,000 years ago, somebody did that. Somebody paid that price for you. But just like if I go down to the courthouse and I try to pay your speeding ticket and you don't accept the cash, I can't buy you out. You're still the one that's got to pay. But... Lucky for us, if we'll accept that payment that Christ gave us, then we're not the one that has to pay anymore. Amen. So here's what I wanna do. We're gonna do old school for just a little bit. I'd like for you to bow your heads. If you're here today and all of this stuff sounds good, but you don't know 
this Prince of Peace that we've talked about. If you don't, if you haven't taken the time or if you haven't, if you haven't decided, hey, I'm gonna give up the steering wheel of my life and turn it over to, to God, then today is the day that you do that. The Bible tells us that we're not promised, uh, uh, you know, we're not promised tomorrow. We're not even promised this afternoon. It's not pressure. I didn't really turn the heat up for you for that. But I do want you to know that if there's a tugging on your heart, the Bible tells us that unless the Holy Spirit calls, they don't come. So that means that there's an internal part of you that wants to know how to have a connection to something greater, to someone greater, and that greater is Christ. And so if you're here today and you don't know without a shadow of a doubt that, that, that you've accepted Christ into your heart and that you're gonna go to heaven, you can raise your hand. I wanna pray for you. I see it, I see it, I see it. So here's the deal, you can put them down. Here's the deal. You can absolutely know that. You can absolutely know that. And you're gonna know it today. Also, if you're here today and you've just feel like that all this stuff sounds good, but you cannot seem to overcome the anxiety and you just want us to pray about that, you can raise your hand. All right, I see the hands. I see the hands, you can put them back down. Here's the thing, God wants you to have peace. He is the prince of peace. He is the definition of peace. This song, The Goodness of God, is the song we sang earlier today. I love this song, we're gonna sing it again. And this is why, as we sing this song, if you, if you raised your hand and you, and you wanna know um, without a shadow of a doubt that you're saved, if you want to, um, you know, if you wanna pray the prayer um, of salvation, then we would love to do that with you. Dusty will be down here. She'd love to do that with you. If you're here today and you want, to be, you want someone to pray with you just about stress or anxiety, we'll be happy to do that as well. But if not, that's fine too. We're gonna to sing a couple of these verses of goodness of God because if nothing else, here's the thing, you can always replace panic with praise. If you're stressed out, it's impossible to stay stressed out if you're praying, if you're singing, if you're worshiping God. So we're gonna sing a couple of stanzas of this song and at the very least, you're gonna leave here with a difference in your heart. You know, um, I said this during the first service and I mean it. I love it when people come to me and they tell me that, oh, Leah's, you know, she sings so great. She's, she's so, uh, you know, oh man, she's awesome. It's all true. But when you're in this, when you're in this place and she sings and the atmosphere changes, it's not her talent. It's not her talent. Listen to me. That's the spirit of God. That's the spirit of God falling on this place that wants to get you to a place where you're closer. So when you don't know what else to do, you can always praise him. So we're gonna sing the song and we're gonna be grateful for the goodness of God. If you'd like prayer, if you'll come up to the front over here on the right-hand side, we'll get through it real quick and we'll get you guys on your way. She won't let me sing, so.
This song is out of Psalms, it's out of the 23rd Psalm. I'm gonna read it to you. It says this, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me on the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou, rod, uh, uh, for thou art with me, and thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table in the presence of mine enemies. That means that we're good. I'm so confident I'm going to win, we're going to have dinner. We're going to sit down and have dinner because you don't have any control. So he prepares a, a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. And then verse 6, it says this. It says, Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you raised your hand today, and you and you don't know without a shadow of a doubt that, that you're saved, we're going to bow our heads. We're going to pray. You're going to pray with me where you're at. That's fine. You're going to pray with me, and then I'm going to pray us out, and we're going to go out. But I challenge you today, don't give up the space in the battlefield of your mind. Control it. So those of you uh, who want to who accept Christ, pray with me now. So Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. Lord God, I thank you for the sacrifice that you paid for my life. Lord, I pray that you will give me this peace that passes all understanding that they spoke of today. Lord, I pray that you will forgive me for my sins. Lord, but first and foremost, I choose to follow you. I choose to give up my priorities for your priorities and to find the will of God for my life and to live in it and to love you. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll be with everybody today, Lord God. I thank you for uh, the words that we had today, Lord. I pray that they've touched the hearts of those that were here. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to go out of here and be a walking, talking example of your confidence and your peace. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to find contentment in our circumstances and, Lord, victory over our challenges. Lord, I pray that you will help us to remember that we were knit together in our mother's wombs for your purpose and your, and your will. And, Lord, I pray that you will just go with each and every one that's here and uh, and help them to have a great week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.